Welcome to The Sipping Point, where each week we explore the recipe for a delicious life. I'm your host, Lori Forster, the wine coach. It's my mission in life to demystify wine one glass at a time. So expect a fresh and fun approach to the world of wine, spirits, food, and so much more. This week, we are talking wine entertainment with superstar Rex Pickett, author of Sideways, the book, the musical, and of course, the iconic movie. Then we're going to find out about the City Winery, which is a chain of amazing places all over the country where they create the perfect pairing, in my mind, food, wine, and entertainment. But to start things off, I can't think of anything more entertaining in the world of wine than the movie Sideways. I think if you haven't seen it, you've been living under a rock. But on the line, I have Rex Pickett, author of Sideways. He's critically acclaimed author of the novel Sideways, which was an Oscar-winning film as well, and has been adapted into a musical, which sold out every single time it ran. He's been making movies for many years. Uh, Welcome to the show, Rex. Well, thank you, Laurie. Thanks for having me. Well, your bio is quite impressive, and you've been making film uh, for many years, even before Sideways. That wasn't your first endeavor, but you're a native Californian. Is that how the wine thing got into your blood and even inspired you to write a book, which later became a movie, uh, with wine being a character in the plot? Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I think I just kind of graduated through. I always drank wine, didn't know much about it. And then um, I started um, in the early 90s. My life was kind of hit rock bottom. And I started going up to the San Inez Valley, which is where Sideways is set. Just a two-hour drive. Honestly, honestly, Laurie, just to play golf. There's a great <laughs> golf course up there. And and then I would stay overnight because it was kind of a long drive just to play around the golf. And um, and then I would stay at the Windmill Inn, just like Miles and Jack. Right. And I'd play golf in the morning, come home. And then I started going gravitating over to the hitching post and i would meet people and they would say you're in wine country here i go oh really and uh <laughs> so then i start i then i started going up for wine tasting instead of golf and then i started going up with friends because it's such a beautiful area and uh and i would go back again and again because it was so my life was just really not in a great place at that time and um for a whole host of reasons and mm-hmm. you're a comedy show so we won't go into those but i blogged <laughs> about them many times so it was a, you have to realize when you drive out of la which is a horrific city uh, you get north of Santa Barbara, you just relax. You're in the country. And then you throw wine into it. And back in those days, wine tasting, of course, was free. So I mm. thought, well, this is a good, a good bargain because I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't flush with uh, cash back in those days. And so that's how it really started was just getting away from my life in L.A. I'd made two feature films in the 80s, mm-hmm. you know, went through a divorce and, and whatever. My ex-wife is now actually the chair of NYU. She, you probably didn't notice this, but... Um, in the bio, but she made a short film that I wrote that won the 2000 Academy Award. So actually, I'm behind a couple of Oscars there. Nice. But um, on the other hand, when she read Sideways the novel, she told me to burn it. So, <gasps> oh, how dare yeah. she? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, um, you know, it was. That's really why you're not married anymore. Yeah, well. <laughs> One of the reasons. <laughs> oh, yeah, a host of reasons. So it started right. with that. I always had an interest in wine, and I was going to wine tastings from the novel sideways. The novel opens at a wine tasting in Santa Monica, close to where I live, and um, it didn't make it to the movie, but that's where the novel opens. And mm. so I started 
uh, meeting a lot of people who are very knowledgeable, and I felt like you know an ignoramus, and I don't like feeling like an ignoramus. But I also fell in love with wine. I fell in love with the language of wine, with nice. the way people talked about it. You know, unlike say beer or other things, you can't have that same kind of poetry, that same lyricism that wine evokes, and that's where it really started. With really, it's the love of language and and the combination of going up to the San Inez Valley and realizing I was in wine country and. It was it was a confluence of things, Lori. Mm, you know? I love that, and uh, that actually is what drove me to wine as well. I used to sell software and had to wine and dine oh. clients, and I would be at these fancy restaurants, and I had no idea what to order, how to pronounce it, or anything. And that's what drove me to start studying, and then I just fell in love with wine. It kind of sucks you in that way. Uh, <laughs> so would yeah, you... it, do, it does. It, it does because you know it, it, what, what's fun, you know it is. It, it's actually a um, you know a field of expertise or whatever as you know because you're a sommelier. Yes. That you know you can you can you can learn a lot about wine just by reading. I mean, I oh, I go deeply into into Jancis Robinson's uh, Oxford Companion to Wine, which is a brilliant book. You don't read it from beginning to end because it's, it's like a dictionary. You know, and yeah, it's like an encyclopedia, but it really gave me a lot of knowledge. So I would go to these wine tastings in Santa Monica every Saturday, and I realized I knew nothing. And by about six months in, I knew quite a bit more. And so I was able to talk their language, the vernacular, if you will. Mm-hmm. But then there's another side to wine, which is the darker side, which, of course, is that, you know, money plays a big factor. You know, there's a snobbery in wine right. that we don't see in, in other, other areas like literature or film. We all have, you know, it's more democratic. We all have the right to see certain films and certain literature, but we don't all have the opportunity to drink a 1990 Romanet Conti. Right. So that's the part. That's the part of wine I don't like. But I do love. You know, I just came back from Chianti Classico. I was there for went there for two months to write a movie. I was there Ooh. for five months, and it was that is a really difficult region. I mean, not just Chianti Classico, which is just one appellation of forty in one region called Tuscany, and and it's the labeling and everything is difficult. But I got to meet so many winemakers. It was the it was the greatest personal and professional joy of my life to wow. learn. That world, and to, oh, of course, it's extraordinarily beautiful. I and, know, um, I love Italy, yeah, and I just got back a couple of weeks ago, and I'd never been before. I've yeah. never ever and ever been to Italy. Period. I can't and believe it. it. And Italians are very casual and down to earth about yep. wine, and I love yep. that. It's us yep. Americans that make it in that weird attitude that you talked about. That I'm well, it, about it, it, eradicating it goes, that. It goes deep. <laughs> well, it goes deeper than that. Lori, they're not only down to earth, and they're not—they're actually quite—they're quite poetic about their li- wine, mm-hmm. but they're very tied to their land. Our winemakers, surprisingly, and I know I'm going to say something that's going to sound a little negative, but after being in Italy with Chianti Classico and those winemakers, they have more integrity. They are more purists. We we manipulate wine way more than people might think. In in Italy, they don't manipulate wine hardly at all. They want Ooh. every year to be a pure a pure expression of that vintage, no matter mm-hmm. how difficult it is. Here we. We, we won't get into the details, but, you know, they, they have a lot of rules and regulations that make sure they don't manipulate oh, the wine. Absolutely. We have no rules and regulations. For instance, you know, you can put Pinot Noir, the, the grape that Sideways made so famous, on a label, but it does only has to be 75% Pinot Noir. In right. Burgundy, of course, that's against, that's against the law. 100%. So we, we yeah, we, we do, a, yeah, exactly. We do a lot of things here because we want the wine to taste the same every time you come back to it, but not in Italy. They, vintage is extremely important in the land and how they care for their land and their understanding of mm-hmm. what goes on in the vineyard. They, they really impressed me with their integrity. It's, it I really love was that. mind-blowing. Well, we're going to take a quick break on The Sipping Point. Okay. We're going to be back with Rex Pickett, author of Sideways. 
And what we're going to do is find out where Miles is now because he's headed to Chile. We'll be right back on The Sipping Point. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach with The Sipping Point. We're back with Rex Pickett, author of Sideways. And if you've seen the movie, you know where that ends. But you wrote a sequel to Sideways, Rex, called Vertical, correct? That's correct. And then I was offered by um, the country of Chile to come down and research the possibility of writing um, a third book. And, um, you know, kind of with uh, just kind of a question mark whether I liked it or not. Uh And then I started to conceive conceive the idea that this is a trilogy and that there could be an ending because vertical unlike other sequels, is not really a true sequel. It kind of takes place seven years later. So it shows the characters in a more evolved or devolved state, as, as the case may be. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Chile, Chile takes you to another place. I fell in love with Chile. It's a fascinating wine region, and you'll get it from reading my book. You'll, you'll, you'll get, there are 12 wine regions there, and they're so unique, Lori, and so right. distinctly different. It, it's a country that's on, it's on the frontier. They're very trailblazing. They've got a ways to go, I have to be honest with you. I mean, mm-hmm. they they're going to have, they're going to, but they have everything you need. They've got a very cold ocean. Remember, it's kind of the Anapodian opposite to say Northern California, Oregon. If you think right. of it that way, if you flip, flip it, they've also got the Andes just a hundred miles inland. This is a very tiny, narrow finger of a country. And you've got this Andean snow melt, which is what, you know, right. um, hydrate, hydrates the grapes. I mean, it's a very mineral, mineral rich water. They've got these incredible volcanic soils and, and the country is wild. And I mean, I just met so many incredible people and it's all, it's all in the novel. And the novel is really kind of more of a love story. I was, uh, we, we did sideways the play, by the way, it's not a musical, it's a non-musical. So I just want to correct you on that. Oh, but, uh, yeah, maybe that's something in we your future. It. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I was approached to do it as a musical, and the problem with doing it as a musical is, of course, they would have to write all original songs. And if the songs don't work, right. you know, you're kind of, you, you, it's going to bomb, it'll never play. So we did it as a, I did it as a straight play at a little 50-seat theater in Santa Monica, and we were just going to run it for a month, three performances a week, and it sold out for six months. So that ah. was a little, so I, went, I went straight to Des Mackinac, a guy, I found him online, he's the artistic director at La Jolla Playhouse, three extraordinary theaters on the campus of my alma mater, UCSD. And, nice. and he immediately said, yes, I want to do it. I want to do it. So one thing led to another. It's a long story. We, seven months later, we were opening at La Jolla Playhouse. It broke all records for a non-musical in their 30-year history. It nice. now goes to London, Broadway, whatever. But the play was just, um, you know, it's, ba- it's, it's actually based on my novel. But for some reason, those characters just sort of live. But I remember at coming out of the play at one point at the 50-seat theater, a woman said, I loved it and all this other stuff. And she said, do you know you've written one of the great love stories? And I said, what? I just I thought she was referring to Miles and Jack, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and I said, I... And, you know, and I or miles and wine. I imagine, you know, yeah, I said, maybe I'll see a theatrical version of that one. But no, seriously, she, and she because she, she really had identified with Maya and Maya in the play is um, she's a she's a more fully fleshed out character in the play than she is in the movie. Mm. And uh, and I wondered. I, and so that kind of became a little bit the inspiration for Sideways Three Chili. It's more okay. of a love story between Miles and Maya in a way. So uh, I, I went there. I spent three months in Chile traveling around. And basically, when I left for Chile two and a half months ago, two and a half years ago, I just gave up my apartment in Santa Monica because I was pretty much done with LA and the film business and put everything into a suitcase. And uh, 
I, I've been I've been traveling wow. for two and a half years, and and now the play goes to London. It goes. It, it's going to go all over the world, and I'm excited to go to the next place. Uh, like I said, I just spent five months in Tuscany. But yes, yeah, Sideways Three Chili came out with you know first edition design um, published it. They've been wonderful. Every, every one of those people are just is great. Nice. And it's you know available in audiobook, analog, you know paperback, and of course ebook too. So you know check it out if you're a fan of you know you don't have to necessarily read. You know, the second one, uh, obviously knowing the first one right. would probably, you can almost skip it, even though the second one, you know, is, is kind of, it's a long novel and it won the, actually it won the Independent Publisher Book Award gold medal for the best book of the year. And um, are you... So, you know, I, I'm, I might go back. I, I had the idea last night. I just got, I, here's, here's a, a scoop for you and all your fans. I was thinking of writing a prequel, Jack and Miles in their 20s when Ooh. they first knew each other. Yeah. I don't know. I just had that idea last night. So, ah, you know, what were you if, drinking if, last if, night? If, if, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. Well, you know, what's funny is 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 um is Italy. I got that. You know, the grape in Cafe Classico, the principal grape, the San Giovese, and and it's it's really more unique in Pinot Noir in many ways because Pinot, of course, is grown actually in quite a few places. I mean, it's San Inez, Monterey, of course, Sonoma, Willamette Valley, Oregon, where my second novel goes to. It's the principal red grape of Burgundy, New Zealand, but San Giovese is really only grown in. Tuscany. I mean, really only grown there. We do have mm, pockets here. Right. And, and it's really, it is something uniquely theirs is, 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 is Sangiovese. And it can be a difficult grape to love in some ways. It's very tannic. It's very acidic. It needs a lot of time in barrel and bottle and all that. But you start to fall in love with the people and everything. So it's, um, if I had a glass, it was, it was definitely, I, I, <laughs> I just had, uh, I had a whole, a couple cases sent to me from Italy and nice. there are some amazing wines. The, the soils are unique and unusual, but so they are too in Chile and Chile is a wild country. I, I recommend to all your listeners, I love it. you know, uh, go down there. The wine regions are just from Elki Valley, which is this really dry desert where they're growing Syrah using uh, Andean aquifers to, to irrigate. It's almost like growing grapes in Palm Desert or someplace, wow. but they're making all the way down to, you know, uh, Colchagua Valley. Right. Uh, my favorite was Casablanca Valley. They're, you know, they've pushed, Chile has pushed Carmenet or Carmenere on, you know, as their grape, kind of the way you know, Argentina did Malbec, but right. really the, the grape they should be pushing is Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, that they make great their, Sauvignon their Blanc. I totally they agree. They really do. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, if you want to learn about Chilean wine, I suggest you pick up a copy of Sideways 3 and a bottle of Chilean Sauvignon Blanc. Great for spring. Yep. Um, you can get it in all the usual places. You can also check out Rex's website at rexpicket.com. Rex, we could talk for hours, so I definitely yeah, uh, no, hope you can come back another time and we can chat more. But thank you so much for being on The Sipping Point. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach with The Sipping Point. Do you have my mobile app? If you don't, you need to go to the app store and just type in the wine coach or go to the winecoach.com slash app. You can download it for free. That's right. It's the right price. And listen to the shows whenever you like. See my recommended wines and so much more. Well, we're talking wine and entertainment. And when I think of those two things paired, I think of the city winery. So I'm so excited to have on the line with me, Rachel Speckin from the city winery in Chicago. Uh, She's the wine education director and also the beverage director. She's traveled the world extensively doing one of the things I love most, drinking. 
<laughs> That's right. Drinking wine all over Italy, Spain, Portugal, Greece. She is a certified sommelier with the Court of Master Sommeliers and, uh, like me, a level three advanced certificate with the Wine and Spirits Education Trust, but also just a really cool chick. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I love reading your bio because I can just tell you have such a fun, down-to-earth attitude about the world of wine. And that's what I love about the city winery um, with locations all over the country. I'm sure most people have heard of you. But how do you bring your philosophy uh, alive there at the city winery? What can people expect if they have never been to the city winery? Well, we kind of blend um, all the wine experiences that are available in one location and make it accessibility or accessible for everybody. So um, we have a winery, and you can have the winemaking experience um, with the winemaker, um, but we also do a tasting room style. Um, we do wine on tap, and then we also have um, an array of international bottles um, and a SOM team that is very unassuming and really ready to get you in a bottle of wine that fits you. Um, and we definitely want to make our clients comfortable with whatever their um, their palates are. But we also like to be a little bit um, adventurous and encourage people to try something new. Ah, I love so that. Everything for everybody. Yeah, right. And in addition to the wine program, you also have great food options mm-hmm. and entertainment. So what's been the most exciting show that you guys have had uh, there at the City Winery that you got really, really uh, butterflies about? Any special artists? (laughs) um, Hands down, the surprise appearance of Prince uh, was the kind of pinnacle moment for the City Winery in Chicago. That's Um, amazing. I didn't know about that. He was in town um, marrying George Lucas and uh, Melanie, a local Chicago lady, and... um, decided to pop over and play a late night concert after the wedding ceremony. How cool. Yeah. Very fun. Did you get to sip a glass of wine with Prince? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really neat. So uh, I loved reading about your travels in the wine world. And I think that, you know, obviously you and I uh, study wine professionally with all kinds of certifications and stressful tasting tests and all that. But Traveling, I believe, is one of the best ways to learn about wine uh, for anybody, whether you're in the business or not. So what are you drinking now for the spring? What is how should what should people travel to in their glass for the spring season? Well, finally, rosé has become um, part of everyday culture and very popular. Uh, It's something that I drink year round, but um, the season is upon us. Um, for everybody else. So one of my favorites that I get super excited about every April is um, Amatsoy, which is a Chacolina from the Basque region of Spain. Mm. Um, and it's, uh, you know, pale pink. It's got a little bit of spritz and it's got screaming acidity and it's beautiful with food. Um, and it's got a low alcohol, so uh, you can drink copious amounts with friends around food and uh, still be uh, you know, able to bounce back fairly quickly. Um, <laughs> still have your wits about you. Yes. But I also really love Chenin Blanc, um, and it's probably my obsession all year round, all the time. So. Wow. I know. I was reading your bio, and one of the things that stuck out to me, well, we have very similar tastes in wine, I think, but you're a Sauvignon lover, which is mm-hmm. a, a very unique wine from the Loire. Talk to me a little bit about why you love it so much. That's another great wine, I think, for people to search out right now. Um, you know, 
it has this really beautiful round body, um, but it is piercingly acidic, and, and it tastes like the place. So it tastes like the rocks and the water, and you know, it's got this really crystalline structure. But it's just also delicious, and it's a very intellectual wine for me. So I can just sit there, and um, you know, every few minutes it changes, and there's something more to, to discover, and just amazing. Um, yeah. So every time I'm shocked and amazed, and enjoy. Yeah, from the Loire Valley in France, if you haven't tried a Sauvignon, you absolutely have to. And I agree with the Chenin Blanc. It seems like this might be the year of Chenin Blanc because it is kind of in the conversation everywhere I go. Are you seeing that as well? Yeah, I'm seeing more um, people being familiar with it, and there's more places producing good Chenin Blanc now. Um, So you can have beautiful Chenin Blanc from South Africa, or you can have know, really fresh, bright examples from Malar Valley, or you can have this super intense, crazy Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some really cool kind of hipster producers in California making some really unique and interesting Chenin uh, Blanc this year. I love it. Well, um, I'm really excited because I'm heading your way in just about a week now <laughs> um, to do my wine tasting comedy show Something to Wine About there at the City Winery in Chicago. You can go to thecitywinery.com if you want to check out tickets. I think we sold out the early show, but we still have some tickets for a late show left. Uh, and I love being there. It's a beautiful location. Um, and each one of your locations has its own personality. You know, New York and Chicago, even though it's same concept, it's still different, uh, different feel. Um, what would you say, as wine education director, people out there listening to my show that are looking to advance their knowledge of wine and uh, their palate, what's one great tip for people um, to further their wine education? What would you, what would you give them as homework? Okay. Well, first of all, I wanted to say that we are super pleased to have you and really excited to host you. And it's such a great confluence of comedy and wine and winery. Oh, thank you. um, We're entirely excited. Um, And as for what folks can do to kind of learn more about wine, um, the first thing to do is drink more. Yay! um, Which is a great great first step. Um, But instead of drinking to taste and really pay attention um, and start to calibrate their personal palate. So, um, you know, what seems acidic to them or what seems sweet, what they like, what they don't like. Mm -hmm. Um, And from there, they can start having a dialogue and um, learn more in depth. Um, Finding local classes is great or just heading to your favorite place and having them pour you small tastes of everything. But again, drink more. Yeah, absolutely. I I wrote a book called The Sipping Point, same name as our show here. And uh, in the last chapter, I talk about forming your own wine club. You know, get together with some friends. Everybody brings a bottle. You get to try so many different wines with only purchasing one bottle. And just the act, and you know this from, from our studying, the act of tasting with other people makes you a better wine taster. You know, everybody might pick out something different. And then you go back and then you can say, oh, okay, I see where they're going with this. Um, And just being able to have to verbalize it and discuss it, I think, brings you forward. Yes, absolutely. I concur. Yes. So I look forward to tasting with you in a week (laughs) in Chicago. Maybe we could do a little wine tasting in between shows. What do you say? Absolutely. (laughs) All right. If you want to check out City Winery, you can go to citywinery.com. There are four locations, one in Chicago, of course, one in New York, Napa and Nashville. And um, hopefully you'll come on out and see see me there on the uh, 25th of April or who knows, you might meet up with Prince. You never know. 
<laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Cheers. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach, and we're back with the sipping point wine and entertainment. Goes together in my mind, of course. All the information from today's show and links to our two guests is at thewinecoach.com. If you're looking to wine and dine, mark your calendar. I'll be in Chicago on April 25th, of course. And then if you're looking out in the future here in Maryland, June 5th, something to wine about is going to Crow Vineyard in Chestertown, Maryland. And. The weather is nice. The patio is open at the Oregon Grill. Check them out by calling 410-771-0505 to make a reservation. Amazing wine list, delicious food, and parking is never a problem. Go to theoregongrill.com. It's all there. Next week, we'll be back to explore the recipe for a delicious life. Special thanks, as always, to Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis, Wine World, The Oregon Grill, and, of course, Hair of the Dog, Wine and Spirits.